Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the second season of Joining the Dots, the podcast from the makers of Huck Magazine. My name's Mike Fordham, I'm one of the founding editors at the magazine, and in this second season of Joining the Dots, we're going to be meeting creatives from all over the world, people creating culture in their own image. We're going to be learning what brings us together, as well as what tears us apart. And in this episode, we meet Arlo Parks, a young singer-songwriter from West London who writes intensely lyrical, beautifully melodic songs that really focus in on the concerns of her generation. So, Arlo, what are you reading at the moment? So I just finished reading Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin, which I really enjoyed, and I hadn't read before, and I just found it really tender and beautiful, and I liked the exploration of Paris because my mum grew up in Paris and my mum's French. I've also been reading a lot of philosophy and my brother gave me this little a guide to like existentialist philosophy which I think is quite current uh, in terms of the situation we're in. I know you're a literary person, you, your, your poetic lyrics and your way of approaching storytelling and the music I think really shows that. Do you find mm. yourself reading more at the moment or is it just normal play as usual for you? I think for me I've definitely been reading a lot more because when I was younger for me reading was very much like an escape because I felt like my life like nothing was really really happening and I felt like I wanted to immerse myself in the stories of others um, and I think I've kind of gone back to that stage a little bit where I'm just kind of inside um, can't really interact with that many people so I've definitely been picking up a lot more books um, and I think also when I'm kind of working and busy, I don't really have the time to read, even though it's something I really love. So right now I've just taken it as a time to absorb a lot. I've been looking a lot at a lot of art, uh, reading a lot of films, just trying to absorb as much as possible in this time. Do you consciously um, set out to tell stories in your songwriting? Yeah, definitely. I think because by nature I'm quite an observant person um so you know I pay attention to the people around me and the stories that they tell me about their lives and I definitely have an urge to tell stories that's I mean when I was a kid that's all I would do I would just write stories um since I was maybe like 10 or 11 it's always just been something that I've loved doing yeah and you're still very young now right I mean it's that's one of the things that really strikes me about your music it's got um Obviously, the subject matter is that of of your own life, I imagine, but there's a sort of maturity in the way you get it across. 
Where does that come from, do you think? I don't know, I guess maybe from reading quite a lot and kind of honing my voice and, and learning to express feelings in quite a concise way. I've always been interested in, like, creating imagery and stuff. I think it's just maybe come from a place of practice because it's something that I've done all my life, um, something that I do pretty much every day. So I think with that has come a level of kind of knowing myself and knowing how to communicate how I'm feeling, I guess. And tell me about that younger life. Like, where'd you come from? What's your background? Well, well so my mum is half French, half from Chad, and my dad's Nigerian. And I grew up in West London, um, literally all my life. Uh, I literally lived in the same house all my life. I would say I was quite a quiet kid. And then as I grew up, I think I kind of like grew into myself a little bit more. But I think when I was younger, I didn't have that many friends who I definitely took refuge in like writing and reading and doing that kind of thing um and I think that kind of made me gain confidence as well because I felt like I could express myself and I kind of could process things that were happening as well you know when you're growing up and you get like crushes or you get like angsty and you're trying to make sense of it all um so for me writing was a way to do that and yeah I think I kind of I I grew up where I grew up like the school that I went to you know I was like one of only probably like three other black people so I always felt kind of like an outsider but I think as I got a little bit older I kind of focused on that a little bit less and tried not to fit the mold I just kind of felt comfortable in myself. Growing up in West London like in so you're you're 19 years old so you're Gen Z man you're, you know you're, yeah. you're, you're <laughs> on the proper you, you are digital native you're a digitarian um, mm. It's, it's interesting, actually, for me that your songwriting doesn't feel necessarily embedded in that digital world. It's, it's, it's pretty classic storytelling, really. Um, do you think you've been able to access ways of telling stories because of the ubiquity of the internet as you've been growing up? I think so, because it also meant, like, things like YouTube, it just meant I had a lot more access to, like, you know, older music and, you know, I'd find, like, old tapes of like Nirvana playing live and like old interviews of like poets and authors that you know were alive way before I was um, and it allowed me just to access like a whole world of information creatively that maybe I wouldn't have if I didn't have the internet but for me I guess because of the music that I listen to and the music that I love I would say it is embedded in like the organic and the more classic side of music um, just because that's like kind of what I like, what I enjoy. Um, I've never really been one of those people that's like really in love with like social media and going on all the apps and stuff. Um, it's just not really my thing, <laughs> um, I guess. But I think the internet, in terms of accessing information, even like teaching myself to produce, a lot of that was done because of the internet. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been positive for me. I think I've got quite a lot of knowledge from that. of an influence is that this kind of twin African background I don't know anything about Chad but um, obviously mm. the Nigerian influence in London's you know very strong and it's got a deep mm. musical heritage that's really really bubbling now right 
Yeah. Where do you, yeah, it's interesting. Sure. Where do you sit in that? I mean, obviously, Afrobeats is a big thing now. It's, mm. but I mean, and, and your your music doesn't, you know, it doesn't come across like that at all. But how much of yeah. influence has that African background been? Do you think? I don't think that much. I mean, I've, obviously, I was exposed to what my dad would play in the house, but what he loved was jazz, um, and that's something that he discovered when he moved to London. So I think that was really, in terms of music, that's what I got from that side of the family. You know, he's playing a lot of like Miles Davis, Thelonious Monk, just like a very wide range of jazz. He'd play like Fela Kuti and things that he used to enjoy when he was younger. But it's something that I haven't really delved into too much. I would say I'm more interested in like soul and funk and indie music. Um, just because I also did have the internet. So most of my taste was formed from just being on YouTube and finding bands by myself rather than focusing on what my parents were showing me. Because I guess I was a bit of rebellion. I was like, no, I want to find my own stuff. I want to listen to... I want to find what I like. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting then for me because coming into... I don't like to call it the music industry, but it is an industry. But it's Mm. a very... um, it's very different from that classic rock and roll town of mid-century excess yeah. and the big record deal and mm. global tours and throwing TVs out of windows. <laughs> you know, what is your vision? I mean, it, how have you, how, how do I know you? How, how have you got out there? How have you cut through the noise? I'm not really sure. You know, obviously I'd been working at it for a little while, but there is an element of luck to it, I would say, because people put in so much effort and, you know, it never really takes off. So, I mean, I'd like to think it's just because I'm making music that feels honest and genuine and that people can see that. Maybe that's naive. I don't know. I think maybe just like the universe. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, Like in terms of how it happened practically, it was quite organic as well. So um, BBC have this like introducing thing where you can upload songs to it for free. And so I just uploaded a track and then like eight months later or something, like someone from the BBC reached out being like, we really like it. Like, do you want to do an interview? And then they introduced me to my manager and then it just kind of all went from there. But like the songs that I've recorded have just been in like bedrooms and living rooms and like Airbnbs and all of that. You know, I haven't been like given millions of pounds in these like six studios. It was just kind of me like figuring it out. Oh, so it's still a very much a, a DIY story then? Yeah, definitely. And so, what are your aspirations? I mean, do, do you, I mean, it sounds it sounds like an interview for a job or something. But what <laughs> would you like to What would you like to be doing? Because I suppose now, what's interesting is that, you know, that classic as we as we mentioned, the mid century dream of rock music stardom mm. doesn't actually exist in the same way, does it? Does it? What? Yeah. How do you see? I mean, what would you like to do? What's your plans? What I want out of like music is just to be able to like help people, to be able to travel and play in front of people, to be able to collaborate as well. Collaboration is a really important thing for me um, across different genres. I also want to do other things within the arts, like I want to publish a book of poetry, um, maybe going to acting and stuff. I don't really have dreams of like being, you know, a pop star with like paparazzi like pursuing me everywhere. That's not really my <laughs> my thing I just want to kind of keep making music that I enjoy and also see where things go like not have too many rigid expectations like I want a billion pounds do you know what I mean I'm just kind of going along with what happens and just staying true to what I like I had a dream we kissed and it was all amethyst the of your eyes was fire. Sick 
mentioned um, playing live. Unfortunately, I missed the gig that we, you were going to be doing in Hoxton just before lockdown, mm. right? Mm. I'd love to see you live. Like many people have, have listened to your music through Spotify and watched a couple of things on YouTube. Is it that live thing? Is that the thing that's most inspiring for you? Or do you like being in the studio? Well, for me, it's kind of a mix. I like the process of writing because it's just kind of something that I've always done and it feels comfortable and I enjoy it but I think there is something about performance like just kind of looking out into the crowd and like having people sing the words back to you being able to meet people afterwards and they tell you their stories and they tell you how they came across your music and I think it's that human side of making music that I really enjoy because when you're in the studio you're just by yourself or you're with a producer it feels quite insular Um, but when you're on stage it's like you can share what you've made with people and I think that's really important to me. Yeah and I suppose that in a funny way it's flipped isn't it I'm just thinking of the pre-digital era it was it was like you know you did that human thing first before you ever got to record Mm. now because of the technology yeah you're able to lay down a track at quite quite high quality aren't you and then Mm. put it out into the world before you know it these punters are singing your lyrics back at you that must be a trip. It's very wild because also it's like, you know, maybe you see the streams on on Spotify or you see the kind of press talking about you, but you never really have a concept of like actual other human beings, like listening to your songs and knowing the words. And because it was my first headline tour, like a few months ago or whatever, I had never experienced that. And I was in Berlin for my first ever show and I was singing and I was like, I had my monitors and I was like, I can hear something. And then I kind of took them out a bit and I was like, oh my God, everyone is singing the words. And it was like, it was just really wild because, you know, you never really have a concept of having an audience and having people connect to you until you're actually in that room and you like see them and you talk to them. And it's like, it's wild. It must be. I mean, that is that bit of the rock and roll dream that I can. I used to, you know, I used to be that classic kid with a tennis racket in front of the mirror, or actually, mm. and then and then for a while it was when Electro came in. You know, in the early eighties, I was really into that. So then all of a sudden it was the keyboard. You mm. know, like you imagine that moment. So did you never have that as a digitarian? Was it a different thing for you guys? Was it a different imaginary? To be fair, I still had that because I would like you know watch a lot of kind of live performances on YouTube and see like you know like people playing at the pyramid stage at Glastonbury and it's just like a sea of people and everyone singing the words. I think that was definitely still very much a dream of mine, just to have like all these people and also like bring people together. Cause you know, like when you're at a show of a band you love and it's like, you're kind of in a room with all these other people who love this band. And there is a sense of like having some, some kind of community. And I think especially when I was younger, cause I didn't feel like I had that community like that was definitely something I aspired to, to be able to bring people together in a room and create a kind of safe space. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's interesting that, so you mentioned safe space and you mentioned, uh, you know, it's quite unusual to be one of the few black people in, in a London school. Mm. That, 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 was it a posh school? <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, posh school, right, yeah. So, yeah, that must have been a strange, unusual mm. experience because I, presumably, I don't know, where in West London are you? Where, um, I'm in Hammersmith. Oh, yeah, I'm so, in, I mean, so, you you, you know, you, you were surrounded by people of people of colour, mm. though, and but you went into a school context where you weren't. That must that must yeah. have been quite strange for an 11-year-old. I guess you were 10 or 11 when yeah. you were in that school. It was quite strange, I think. I think, obviously, like, after a while, I kind of got used to it but it was kind of weird to like have because obviously you spend most of your time when you're young you know when you're like 11 or 12 you're not really like going out so you just go from school to home and then that's kind of the two your two main environments so it was like quite strange for me but I think after a while that kind of sense of strangeness I would say dissolved um for me because I was very much kind of in my own world in my own head anyways as a kid so I after a while I guess I was just kind of like this is how it is. And I was, like, really studious as well at school. So I was just in the library, just, like, doing all my work. Yeah. Did you look to any particular songwriters for a way of being in the world? Yeah. Um, there was, like, a very broad range. I think my taste, like, evolved, like, in weird directions. So I had, like, all the kind of phases. So I had a phase where it was, like, more, like, kind of a punky phase. So I was listening to, like... The Pixies, like Susie and Banshees, like Paddy Smith, that kind of thing. And then I had a phase where it was like very, very hip hop. So it was like Most Deaf, Nas, um, MF Doom, that kind of thing. The thing is, I had all these phases, but I kind of clung on to like each of those artists. So I just kept loving them. I just added more to like the fold. Um, I think the artist for me that really inspired me to make music was King Cruel, just because he was from London. There was a poetic side to his work, and to me, he seemed quite unique. And I'd always been into, like, guitar music as well. That was, like, during my heavy guitar music phase. So he was, like, really inspiring to me. But I think I got inspiration from everywhere, to be honest. I think that's why maybe my sound comes across as a fusion of different things. Because, you know, I'd be listening to Jimi Hendrix one day, and then maybe I'd have a weird day, I'd listen to some, like, craft work or, like, some, like, electronic, like, crazy stuff. And then I'd go for some soul or Motown. So, yeah, it's kind of a mix. Yeah, so that, that, that kaleidoscope, that really is a function of contemporary London, isn't it? Mm. What do you think your city, and, and uh, how has it been during this strange time? Because we're in the middle of, well, hopefully mm. the back end of lockdown. We've been in it a few weeks now. Yeah. I mean, it's strange. I haven't really been, like going out at all like I've been for walks and stuff but it is very weird because you know it's a city that's always like bustling there's always stuff happening you know I'm like 
kind of right under the flight path of the plane. So usually there are like planes all the time, cars, like people going to parties, all of that. Um, and now it's just like radio silence. And it's very weird to like look out the window and literally see like one person wearing a mask. Do you know what I mean? It's just something that I've never experienced in my whole life. It's been a time for me personally just to like focus on what I can do at the moment. So, you know, just like playing guitar and like being grateful for my health, just like making phone calls, just kind of doing my best with it and being grateful that I actually like have a home and like my family and that I'm kind of all right during this time. Yeah. Lead me to my own devices. It's better when your Coca-Cola eyes are out of my face. I checked your phone and no surprises. She's grinning from ear to ear. You, you had a, a, a tour planned this summer, right? Um, yeah. What's that looking like at the moment? What's the plans for that? Are there any? In terms of like my shows, um, basically as soon as we're able to, then we'll play them. I had like also an American tour planned supporting this artist, Hayley Williams, who was in that band Paramore. And like she was, so we're going to do like a big run in the US, like 17 or 18 dates, I think. And then obviously that fell through. So it's all about like when... I guess when the situation lifts and nobody's really sure when that will be. And I think that's why it's kind of scary for a lot of people, that kind of lack of knowing when it's going to end. But, you know, for now, for me, it's mainly just like crafting that debut album and doing a lot of writing. And are you signed up with a uh, label at the moment? Yeah, so I'm on a label called Transgressive, who have like Foles, um, Tudor Cinema Club, Flume, like a wide um, variety of different artists. And they're an indie label which is what I wanted. And yeah, they've just kind of been giving me my space to like create, because when I'm writing, I very much like go in my little bubble and I'm like, no one speak to me. And then I just write, write, write. And then I just like come out with it. But they've been definitely just like supporting my vision. I wanted someone who was going to support me rather than try and like mold me to a trend or whatever. Um, and it's definitely been the case. So yeah, I've been happy about that. Oh, so it's nice to have a deadline then though. Is it, is it you know, is it nice? I mean, I can recognize that as a, as a hack writer, if I don't have a deadline, nothing gets done. Are you that, that mm. way inclined? I would say so, yeah. Because also I'll just like tinker with it for ages. Like I'll just be like, oh, maybe I'll just add this. Oh, wait, no. But I need someone to be like, just take it away from me and be like, no, it's finished. And then I can kind of like chill. Um, and it's nice also just to have that deadline to like work towards, especially in this time where like not that much is happening. So I can like kind of motivate myself to keep on going and stuff. The ability to write the perfect three-minute pop song mm. is something <laughs> that I think everyone that's ever put pen to paper has aspired mm. to. You know, mm. what what does that take? It's, mm. it's, it's I'm not I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that you've you've done that, obviously. But, yeah, um, I'm not you, sure. <laughs> you, you've written some you've written some very very beautiful, very interesting songs. You know, what's the process? Where do you start? Is it is it a rhythm? Is it an idea? Is it a word? Or can it be a lot of different things? It can be a lot of different things. For me personally, like when I'm writing anything, what I'll do, I'll sit down for five minutes and I'll just write continuously. Because for me, it's a way of kind of unearthing my subconscious and getting to grips with what I'm actually feeling and kind of being honest with myself. And then I'll kind of pick out a few words that I like and phrases and then mold that to the instrumental but sometimes if I'm at home and I'm producing myself I'll just come up with a, a chord progression and that will be the kind of beginning point but I think writing from a place of instinct is very important to me 
Like, I think when you overthink things, especially in art, it can kind of ruin it a bit. So I try and just get it all out quite quickly. Like, all the songs that I put out have been done in, like, an hour or so. Because that's kind of how I like to do it. I think someone said first thought, best thought, you know, the beats yeah. were really into that. I think there's a, there is a, a certain... Uh, certain beauty in that. I guess it's about creating a context and it sounds like that, mm. that an indie label has given you that context. Definitely, yeah. I think also it's been a question of like getting to grips with where I'm most comfortable writing as well because for me like the actual place where I am is very important and I don't really thrive well in like a studio environment. To me it feels quite sterile because it's not, you know, it's not my studio space. If I'd built it, it would be a different thing. But for me, I like being in, like, houses and living rooms. It feels like less kind of pressure. And, yeah, just communicating that to them is is important, I think, yeah. Like, I always just have my little candles around and, like, you know, like, dim the lights, just, like, get in my zone. That's really important to me. Well, listen, we could go on for hours. Um, I suggest I press stop now so we've got, got something coherent cool. to edit. Thanks so much for your time. I'm really, really yeah. looking forward to uh, being able to see you on stage. Thanks for downloading and listening to the second season of Joining the Dots. Joining the Dots has been brought to you by Huck Magazine. My name's been Mike Fordham. I'm one of the founding editors of Huck. And big thanks goes out to Rob Taliesin-Owen, sound alchemist, who helps us out with his projects massively. Thanks also to Vince Medeiros, Andy Curland, Dom Sisley, Ben Cook, Niall Flynn. Thanks Sarah Rodriguez at Britney Creative. And thanks to Arlo Parks for getting involved and for being so brilliant. Thanks also goes out to you, the listeners, the readers. Go to huckmagazine.com, huckmag.com for all your latest cultural stories, stories about people paddling against the flow, people countering the narrative, people defining themselves and making culture in their own image. Stay tuned to huckmag.com, stay tuned and download the first series from wherever you get your podcasts. It's Joining the Dots, hosted by Don Letts and now hosted by me, Mike Fordham. See you on the other side. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.